Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Employee Podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organisations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The cultural and commercial benefits of organisations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. In this episode, we sit down with Marissa Munnings, Head of Internal International Communications at the Kraft Heinz Company. Marissa is a driven and creative senior communicator who loves to talk, think and learn about food. She has 15 years of experience helping consumer brands and large companies tell their stories, meaningfully engage their audiences, drive measurable results and make a positive impact in their communities. We speak to Marissa about what it's like to work at Kraft Heinz and more about recent projects and future plans. Marissa, hello, how are you? Hi, nice to meet you. Do I sound okay? You sound, you sound fabulous. You sound perfect. Great. So um, it's great to have you with us. Um, so you. I wonder if we, can, if we can start off, first of all, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your background, and, and how you came to the role that you currently have. Sure. Well, I think the first thing to point out is clearly I'm Canadian. Uh, um, not American. I landed always, in the UK. always good to spell that out for us, Paul. I like to uh, lead with that. Um, I landed in the UK around seven years ago. Um, my whole career had been in consumer PR. So starting off in Canada, um, I got to move through Canada. I went to different countries and work took me to London. Um, it was all a big whirlwind. And um, midway through, you know, my London PR experience, I started to really rethink what I was into. Food became a real passion of mine. So I wanted to work on food clients. Um, I left the agency that I was at for a very long time, went and did food specific work um, with a few interesting clients. And then someone approached me from Kraft Heinz and asked if I wanted to come do internal comms with them. and I need to be honest, especially given my audience right now, internal comms was not my first choice. So, um, you know, I was really attracted to the company and the brands that we have at this company. I grew up with a lot of them uh, in Canada, but I really had to reassess. I said no, uh, to be totally honest. And then I went back and I looked at the job description and I met a few of the people in my company. And the thing that really stuck out to me and that I tell a lot of people when they come and interview for um, roles here is the strategic opportunity of working in internal comms. So coming from a world where, you know, I had clients um, to work in consumer PR, you have to be beyond creative for cut through. Uh, and, and you find yourself kind of doing the same thing sometimes to come from that and to look at an opportunity to really shape the direction of what happens internally, I found really interesting and very challenging. And then the, the, the bigger thing to me was the potential to make an impact on someone's life because we spend what, you know, like 80% of our week at work. Why wouldn't you want to make that experience better for someone? 
So that's my life in a in a very quick. I love it. I absolutely love it, and I totally totally recognise that's that that story you're saying. Why would you not want to try and make yeah. someone's work life a better place to be, uh, and a better experience for them? And I, I started out actually in external comms and external marketing um. and, and advertising and all the rest of it, and and moving to the inside um, is is I. You know, I don't regret it for a moment. It's more challenging and and um, and actually more fulfilling, I think, overall. And I'm sure that mm. our listeners today will will be will be nodding along with that. So, but yeah. moving from external agency role, uh, not working on internal comms, to an internal in-house mm. role working in with on internal communication uh, for a large global company. I mean, you know, what were the what were the biggest um, uh, ch challenges you've had to uh, address in that transition? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I remember meeting with somebody from my old agency right before starting this job saying, I can't believe I'm doing this job. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done internal comms before. And he was like, you're fine. This is what you do every day. Uh, and to me, the biggest takeaway was employees are consumers. Employees are really, really important stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So anything that you can bring from your external world and apply to your employees will add value to their life. Yes. Um, so I guess that's less of a challenge, but it was more of a mindset shift I had to, to go through uh, joining this company. I think the challenge is when you work at a huge company like this, you move at a different pace. There's a lot to learn about the history of the company and the brands. Um, there are more stakeholders than you can ever map. You know, when you do stakeholder mapping for a client, it, it's yeah. pretty contained, yeah. whereas you get thrown into a huge company and there are geniuses working in parts of the company that it will it'll take you a year to discover they're even there. So I think like learning the business, learning the people who make the business run is probably the biggest challenge. I had to really adjust my <laughs> my pace. You know, I was used to being billable. Um, so I was trying to find something to fill the, those 15 minutes. Uh, and I, I still have some of my agency pace. I think it works for my team. It makes me a lot more agile. Mm -hmm. It makes me a lot more um, comfortable with change. But I do think when you work at a big company, you need to make more time. You need to slow down and make more time to think. And when you're moving quick with clients, you do your best thinking that you can, but you don't always have the luxury of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was like yeah. a challenge and an opportunity yeah. for me. Yeah, find, build, making time to think. And also recognising that perhaps you've got to make time to take more people with you on that, on that thinking and, and, and Absolutely. be more influencer internally. Um, than Absolutely. You would. Really knowing how to like adjust your, your vernacular, your language, like understand where all your different stakeholders are coming from. You're not just mm. you know, dealing with the same client, coming into a room and pitching them an idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, you, you touched on the fact that it's, a, you know, obviously it's a global, massive global company, brand names that we're all familiar with mm. uh, and we all have on our, in our kitchen cupboards all the time. Um, lots of different countries, time zones, cultures. How mm. do you even begin 
you know, thinking about a couple of the presentations we've already had, which is about understand your audience, nuance mm. your messaging, make sure you, you, you know, you play to your audience needs. How mm. on earth do you begin to make your comms relevant when you're working across such a huge suite? Mm -hmm. Big challenge, but also a big point of pride, I think, for me and my team. Mm -hmm. um, what I've learned uh, is to, I mean, first of all, build relationships. So it took a long time in my role to identify the people I could lean on in our different markets and the people responsible for communications and to build up a relationship with them. Right now, we are a very large extended team. We cover most of the world apart from North America. So on any given day, we're talking to someone in Brazil, we're talking to someone in Australia. Uh, but it took a lot of relationship building and a lot of trust building um, between myself, my central team, and the, the folks that work in those markets. Once we were able to really establish those relationships, we found a great way of working. Uh, and we're really proud of it, actually, because it's something that has remained strong for over a year now, almost two years. Um, and we just make sure to be very clear on what the role is for the people in market versus what the role is for somebody in a central function like myself. Um, I take it very seriously to come with value-added ideas, excellent thinking, um, creative thinking to take some, some of the thinking stress off the plate of our comms leads in markets. But we really rely on them to tell us, to keep us honest and tell us what matters locally. Will this idea work in Brazil? You know, what are the issues people in Italy are facing? So I would say there's a lot of trust. There's, there's a lot of mutual listening and sharing. And at the end of the day, there is an understanding that internal comms should be local, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it needs to happen locally. It needs to reflect what's happening in our employees' lives. I cannot tell someone in Spain how to talk to their audience. And I trust that they will be telling me what matters to those people. Together, we'll create a really good idea that resonates with them. But at the end of the day, the power is local. Um, and they can execute as as they see fit with their so, market. So they execute locally, translating locally, putting it in language mm -hmm. locally, all of that kind of all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we've built up a hub team who we do a lot of coordination. We make sure that we stay connected. We do a lot of the central ideation, so insight gathering, um, creativity. And then we test the insight, we test the idea with all of our markets, and then they localize it and they make sure that they pick out the parts that work for them and make it happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you make sense, makes eminent sense. And probably the only way you could sensibly do it, isn't it really? So you talked about how you, you'd sort of stress test, well, you didn't, you didn't say stress test, but the pandemic's gonna have stress tested that approach, but you mm. said it's remained strong in the, what you're doing has remained strong in the last sort of year or so. And that's through, mm -hmm. through the times we've been through. So what a, what a stress test for that approach the pandemic must have been for you. Mm -hmm. what's, what's been the impact in a nutshell? You know, what, what's been the impact for you? Because you've got manufacturing plants mm. and, and all of the sort of support, marketing, sales, all the rest of it. So you've got quite a mix of job roles and employees, I'm sure. Yeah, I think... 
That's such an interesting question. And I, I wonder if we want to separate so the impact of the pandemic on our employees versus the impact on comms, right? Because mm-hmm. we have such a diverse audience. Let me start with, I guess, our employees. Um, the most interesting part of dealing with, I guess, the, the early days of the pandemic was we had one population that was working from home. We were under lockdown. We had another population that couldn't work from home. And not only could they, they had to remain working, they were actually probably working harder, right? There was a lot of demand that we had to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really, we were very aware of those two unique situations that our employees were in. Uh, and so any communications that we um, uh, sent out took that into mind. They were tailored for the at-home population if it was at-home related, but we we made uh, we made a, it a focus to highlight the work that our, our factory employees were doing mm-hmm. and to really celebrate them. Mm. So nobody felt, you know, that they were going through, well, I hope nobody felt that they were going through a worse time than others. We were all going through something hard. Um, the the first wave of the pandemic was very interesting in how our employees really rallied together. Um, there was a lot of, you know, we're in it together. There was a lot of proactive keeping in touch. Our communications activities really focused on keeping people connected, sharing the news with them, um, and looking for those light moments. Mm-hmm. When I say we rallied together, it was almost like an organic moment where if you were an office-based employee working in the UK, you were acutely aware of what your peer in one of our factories was up to. And you wanted everyone in the business to know, hey, they've been working like crazy. Let's have a moment to celebrate them. And that's something we're really proud of. Um, You know, we did a whole heroes campaign. They were like the unsung heroes of our business. Uh, And then I would say the other, going back to your original question, The other impact was on communications and the role of communication. So prior to COVID, we had a plan. We had a comms plan. It was supposed to do certain things. You know, we were supposed to entertain. We were supposed to engage and educate. And then we went right into crisis mode. Mm -hmm. And we became, the comms function became a really reliable source of information for all of our employees Mm -hmm. to the point where, There was so much noise in the media and so much going on in the world that they would actually turn to our comms leads or turn to what was coming out of, you know, the central function, um, my team, and wait for updates from us to understand what government regulations looked like and and what rules looked like. Mm -hmm. So we became like a very necessary business partner. Yeah. And terrible situation, but... uh, such a good opportunity to prove that internal comms isn't just about Mm. It can be really strategic mm. and really necessary as well. Mm. Well, that's always the that's always the challenge of internal comms, isn't it? On the one mm-hmm. hand, there's that engagement and fun thing, but then you know sometimes difficult messages have to be conveyed. And and mm-hmm. you have, but but what a responsibility and what an achievement that you you became that reliable source. You became trusted, um, trusted yeah. advisors. The trusted voice is you know is 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 really 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 important and, and will stand you in good stead for the future won't it which mm-hmm. in, the, in the moments we've got um the few minutes we've got remaining marissa i wonder mm-hmm. if we could talk turn to talk a little bit more about 
where we go from here, um, you know, where you go from here. Um, what what's what's coming next for you? Um, you know, what does the future look like? Re returning to the office for those who can, mm -hmm. carrying on mm -hmm. working harder than ever for those who, who are on the you know in the in operational roles. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the short term future, we are looking at what returning to the office looks like, mm -hmm. what a hybrid workplace looks like. Mm -hmm. We we are a huge geography. So the biggest challenge we have right now is what it looks like in different countries. Mm -hmm. In the UK, we've started to slowly phase back into the office. We're really focusing on safety. We're inviting vaccinated employees in. Uh, we've been quite deliberate in how we phase back in. Mm -hmm. And we are very aware of the concerns people have and are, um, we have like a whole campaign looking at addressing those concerns, you know, getting people comfortable with the idea of the office again. When they're back in the office, reminding them of the magic that happens in the office, the stuff that we forgot, and then kind of moving into an assessment phase where we all say, okay, we're all a little bit flexible. You know, we're not fully, we're not going back uh, five days a week. Mm -hmm. There's flexibility built in. How is this working for us? Do people feel included? Mm -hmm. So that's the UK. Can I, just, um, can I just interrupt and ask you, how how are you engaging your employees in that? Are you Are you, and how are you hearing what they've got to, to contribute and say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so flexible working has been a topic that we've been talking about with employees for almost a year, over a year, I would say. You know, we had a lot of false starts in the UK about when we go back to the yeah. office. Yeah. Um, we've come with a position of uh, three days a week, two days work from anywhere, what was important in us engaging employees in that position was to let teams decide what what those days are. So no one is saying everyone's got to be back in the office on Monday. People are working within their teams to say, okay, where when do we want to see each other? Like what where do we get the most value out of being together and what can be done virtually? So that and that was a big piece of work uh, that our our HR team really coordinated everywhere, those conversations, and they resulted in team agreements. Mm -hmm. So I think by doing that, everyone kind of feels like they've got a little bit of skin in the game, right? They've had a conversation. They owe it to their, their colleagues to show up on those days that they said they'd show up. Mm. Um, that's it. And then I think around engaging, I mean, we I told you we've been very deliberate in how we phase people back into the office. We have been very upfront about what we understand consumers to be concerned or sorry, employees to be concerned about. So we've done surveys and we've done, you know, meetings and focus groups, but we've boiled it down into a few concerns. Mm -hmm. And the minute that we launched our return to office campaign, we said, listen, you're probably nervous. You're probably worried about safety. You might not know how to socialize with people anymore you've got new family routines like let's be upfront about the things that you feel you either have to give up or get over and we've slowly started to address them so for example if someone is worried about socializing in the office again we have a whole piece of content on how to make small talk we're doing little things like when we're back in meetings you know you can wear a badge that says i don't feel like chatting right now i think you know we're really giving people space mm -hmm. to just 
feel weird about it because we're, it's not your first day of school again. It's a really big transition after almost two years. Um, and we've heard, you know, through our touch points that this does resonate with employees. We do plan to have a lot more of a deep dive once we've worked into, once we've transitioned into hybrid working. Mm -hmm. So surveys, immediate feedback, anonymous feedback. Um, how do we take that feedback and apply it to how we operate? Yeah, yeah, lovely. Excellent stuff. Um, we've pretty much run out of time, actually, but I'd just, I'd just like to finish with one, with one question, which takes us right back to what you said at the beginning and the journey you've been on from an external comms consumer PR, and yeah. now you've been immersed in, in Kraft Heinz and internal communication for the, for the, for the last couple of years. Um, I just want to ask you the million-dollar question. Um, what's the harder Ooh, well, this is controversial, but I would say internal comms is a bit more challenging. Um, I like to think that there's no difference between consumer PR and internal comms. I think, why don't you treat employees like consumers? Absolutely, with you there. You do have, I mean, your audience is a lot closer. So feedback is a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, right in <laughs> Yeah, it's right there. And you have a you have a duty, you have a responsibility, you're literally impacting someone's life. So I think that it that's what makes it more challenging. Lovely. Yeah. Great stuff. Thank you. Lovely answer, Marissa. Marissa Munnings, Head of Internal Communications International at Kraft Heinz Company. Thank you very much thank for you. joining our fireside chat today. Thanks a lot. Thank you.